Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. to another episode of pit lane parlay i am your host mike jokum matt is here we're going to kind of take a, a rewind and and look back on on the final long beach race because we did the award show thanks for shannon and lighting for hanging out there but as usual per our new IndyCar tradition this year we're going to start with something non-racing related and i'm going to pass it to matt you sound so excited to do this. You know, I'm I'm really tired today. I'm it was I, I finished two cups of coffee this afternoon just to try to get myself hyped up to to talk for a while. I'm 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 on the struggle bus, man. Were you uh are you tired because you wrecked a lot of people last night? <laughs> I have no 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 comment there. Yeah. If you want to know why I'm tired, you can probably figure it out. Fair enough. Well, yes, my question to you to start off the episode is kind of thinking more restaurants that people may have heard of so not just some hole in the wall in philly what's the worst restaurant you've ever been to oh olive garden Uh, subtract the breadsticks subtract the breadsticks oh no that's slander i don't know if you just had a bad olive garden experience but olive gardens i've been to have been excellent here in minnesota i mean they're not it's like you you gotta take it for what it's worth right it's not gourmet italian food but it definitely hits the spot See, I'm very picky when it comes to Italian food because I'm part Italian, so Olive Garden is just like a slap in the face. I'll remember that when I go to my local Hungarian restaurant. Is there such a thing? No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I definitely have never had Hungarian food, despite also being part Hungarian. I I got nothing on that one. Well, what do you think of Red Robin? It's all right. The burgers are, are pretty good. They make good drinks good alcoholic beverages but it's not like i haven't been to red robin probably 10 years and i i don't like have this like burning desire to go i i don't i don't like it man we've had too too many experiences there that were poor so um i don't i don't blame you for that decision if that makes you feel better i i understand where you're coming from wow look at you you're all like therapeutic and everything and i'm just like you're stupid yeah, well, that's, I mean, listen, that's the Gen Z mentality. Oh, whatever. I'm just going to cancel you on Twitter, like, for the fifth time this year. <laughs> All right, well, the season's over. Huh. Yeah. Awards were fun last week, so if you want to go check it out, I do disagree with several answers, but that's okay. I'm sure you disagreed with a bunch of my stuff, too. We got a lot of crap for our worst deliveries. And mainly David Lighting should get a lot of crap for that one. I got a lot of clap for the Rocket one. I thought the Rocket one was hideous. I like the matte black, obviously, but I wish the sponsor yeah. logos looked better. I actually did. Listen, I, I didn't love the Rocket one, but 
it didn't make my list of worst delivery just because it was like it was very average. My, I, I know my dad some Pietro Fittipaldi though. Yeah, well played. He's one of my favorite peoples. He's a nice guy. I'm still hurt by that one. All right. Um, so Long Beach happened. Let's just get right to the Ed Jones thing. What was he thinking? I don't know, Mike. What was he thinking? Uh, see, that's the problem is we assumed he's thinking. He clearly was not thinking. That that worst move of the year, I think we all agreed on that in the awards. Yes. Worst move in a few years? It's up there. Yeah. It's in contention. It's it's in contention for a podium. Yeah, and there's the implications too. Like there we see dumb moves yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But we don't see dumb moves on the championship contender in the final race of the season on lap one in the hairpin of Long Beach. Yeah, that was ju- it was just such a kick right in the gut that you're just like ah. and I I didn't really care who who won the championship but I wanted to see a little bit more intrigue in the championship battle and Ed Jones made sure that didn't happen I don't know if Ganassi paid him off and said listen we're sorry you sucked at Ganassi so if you could suck one more time we'll give you some extra money and you can go back to Dubai or wherever you live now go back to Miami and that stupid nightclub that sponsored you for a while and Okay, sorry. Bringing out the tinfoil early here. Oh, 100%. That is not factual at all. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, a poor move. It was, what was the year at Long Beach? Like 97, 98, something like that happened at the hairpin too. And that's not the first time there's been a hairpin stack up, but uh, it's always embarrassing when you're the person who causes it. And so Pato later retired from a drive shaft, drive link something in the suspension yeah that Jones something broke hit later broke and ruined the transmission so obviously a huge bummer for pato but on the flip side mega congrats to alex Pillow on an insanely consistent and very fast year the guy was very rarely away from the top five all season uh finished p4 even though he didn't need to try very hard after award had his spin he still pushed and pushed and pushed and got to p4 i was trying to remember they said something on he said something on the radio about he was like super confused or concerned about something but anyways he's just phenomenal talent and ganassi has found themselves a gem yeah i mean he he did exactly what he needed to do on sunday brought it home in one piece really didn't even need to worry about where he finished because enough attrition happened through the race that he could have just pulled over and pulled into the fountain and, and taken a little swim and, and, and obviously I'm exaggerating, but yeah, hats off to Pelot. He's a well-deserved championship season. I wish we saw Pato able to fight a little bit more, but all in all, it was, it was a good good season for Pelot and a hell of a weekend by Colton Herta again. Yeah, he, he finished out the season so well, and it gives me a lot of positive vibes going into next year. Uh, I I think he can definitely be a factor in the championship, which is something we kind of talked about at the end of the award show. Hopefully, according to our prediction. Well, did you say Kurta? Because if so, we're screwed. Yeah, I did. Screw off. We're we're, we're toast. I mean, you already saw Shannon's reaction for you saying Rossi. I know. I got called Michael. That's never good. Yeah, that's that's horrible. Um, that's how you know you really messed up. Yeah. Uh, what else we got from the race? 
Marcus Erickson stuffed it in the wall, so his chances to beat Dixon in the points were over. And it hurt his hand, so hopefully he's okay soon. I don't. They never really said anything about it, but I think we saw pictures after the race when he was hugging below that he had a bandage or brace of sorts on his hand. Yes, from Jenna Fryer. So hopefully that's fine. What is, we we have to talk about the Elio thing from Saturday. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! With Rossi, or was it warm up? I can't remember. I think it might warm, have been warm up, up. Yeah. In a nutshell, so on the the entrance to the fountain, there's the swing out left, followed by like a 180, not 180 degree. Like if you if you picture a roundabout, it's like the equivalent of going straight. So that's kind of what the fountain turn is. You kind of just got to swing out and then go around it. And on the entrance to that, Rossi's taking the normal line, and Elio tries to pass him on the left-hand side, which is not something I've ever seen outside maybe the first lap of the race at Long Beach, that someone is yeah. trying a move there, let alone warm-up. What you, would you make of that whole thing? Honestly, it, it happened, and I was like, what? So, you know, they showed the replay, and my initial thought before Elio went on his tirade. I don't know if you want me to save his my thoughts on his tirade for like a, a minute or two from now or just keep, Nope, go for it. Go for it. So he he's you know, he makes contact, goes into the wall. I just don't know what you can gain from you know, just just back off. It's morning warm up. This is not let's find every ounce of speed let's you know this is let's get in race mode let's make sure everything's working let's make sure our setup is how we want it any fine-tuning adjustments there is zero 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 need to push there even if rossi as elio claimed should have moved over because he was coming out of pit lane and he's the veteran and all that other bullshit that he went rambled on about but no just just back off and and wait a minute as far as his rant, that was probably the most one of the most epic rants of all time in IndyCar, just because it was so far off based. You know, there's been some great arguments and rants over the years for sure, but if we're talking about ones that are just totally, 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 totally incorrect, Elio might take the cake. At least a podium finish. I don't think I've ever laughed that hard. I was sitting there with my dad in utter confusion, just kind of staring at him like, this keeps going. And then when Kevin Lee went, well, what what should have Rossi done? You know, that second question, I went, oh, God, he's going to lose it. He's going to lose it. I mean, Kevin Lee might get murdered. And obviously, yeah, he he drops an F-bomb. He, he goes ballistic. And I I don't know, man. It was it's not, <laughs> not a good look for Elio to end the season. And obviously, well, We'll talk about his in-race strategy, I guess, in a little bit. But it was, I mean, it was hilarious, but it was totally wrong. Yeah, it's the perfect character arc because we've discussed that he's been irrelevant on road courses this season with Shank. And then he qualifies P3 and it's like, oh, okay, maybe he's still got it. And yeah, then I was he getting ready the, to make fun of you. And then he does the warm-up thing and it's just like, oh. See, here we go again. It's same old Elio, same old being a moron for moron's sake. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like typical Elio. It's just he's getting wrong at the wrong person for the wrong reasons. And for someone who has a billion IndyCar starts, he should know better. So 
I don't know. I think it was incredibly hilarious, but really stupid that it needed to be a thing. I felt bad for Rossi, who had to deal with whatever aftermath resulted. Like, you know, when he was getting interviewed at the pit box, he was probably as confused as anybody as to what was happening. And he had some shade to throw uh, in a couple areas. Anyway, Rossi's subtle shade a couple times in there was so, first off, prototypical Rossi, and B, made made me laugh so hard because it was so right. He was like, no. Well, what did you think of that? He's wrong. It's just like perfectly perfectly said without you know, dropping an F-bomb on, on Peacock and probably getting a little bit of a fine for that. He... I, I am 100% on, on Team Rossi on this one. I've kind of alluded to this several times in the past that the Elio that we sometimes see on TV is not necessarily the same Elio that you will get when you interact with him at the racetrack. You know, I think they're, I think he does a very good job of, of playing the system very well to his advantage. You know, he he looks a particular way on TV. He sounds a particular way, but he doesn't necessarily act that way all the time and he's a competitor no yeah that that's fine i just think he's not as amazing as everybody makes him out to be and i that's just from my years of kind of seeing him at the track things like that and then further strengthened by off track where rossi and hinch made subtle digs at him one time basically to the same effect we can save that for another episode just because i just don't like elio i think He's, I couldn't tell. He's garbage. But what did you think of the uh, Elio strategy, which was not, unless I'm missing something, was not Elio's fault, but another shank job. So what did you think of the strategy there? Yeah, like you said, not Elio's fault, but when you have every person on the internet, the TV announcers, and probably people at the racetrack going, what on earth are they doing right now? You've definitely got the wrong strategy. So I just it just it was never going to work you know sort of like the road america strategy for jack harvey earlier in the year that we mentioned last week on on the award show but he i'm not going to say he was definitely going to finish on the podium but he probably going to finish let's just be conservative here and say top seven and then you go okay maybe he's not such garbage on road and street courses and it's hard to blame him for the race results finishing what he finished 20th or 22nd or something like 20th, that yeah but it's a very it continues a very concerning trend of strategy strategy decisions by shank this year yeah i wonder if they got someone from ferrari to do their strategy this year <laughs> what did you uh so the daily ask you incident daily tweeted if you're going to take someone out make sure you don't wreck yourself as well it's definitely definitely ask you had no room no nowhere to go and and clearly did he turn in on him or am i, am I did daily turn in on no ask you i'm drawing a blank because it was two weeks ask you locked up his brakes into daily okay okay uh, for those listening i'm sorry it's been a very long 10 days since the race ended but we're having a, we're having a tough day <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah and uh, i don't know i don't think the tweet was necessary because it's just oh absolutely it was uh, bring the bring the heat. I mean, okay, fair. All I'm saying is that if that was Ferrucci, several high V's would have been burned down by fans. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're. I all right, that's fair. I can respect that. But since it's Askew, we'll just kind of pass it along because he's nice and adorable or whatever. 
I don't think it was like the worst move ever, but he made a mistake. No, yeah, it was it was far from criminal, but it was still yeah. it was definitely I put it at his feet, but it wasn't like the worst thing ever. And several high fees would be burned down. <laughs> Daily wasn't you know contending for a win either, so that helped. But uh, yeah, it still ruined a, a good effort by Connor, so that that kind of sucked. But uh, it is what it is, and don't really need to make that into more than it is. I think if Daily hadn't tweeted about it, it probably would have just been a page seventeen item. I'm not sure if we got anything else really. McLaughlin won Rookie of the Year. Congratulations. He's one of 36 drivers now to finish every race in a season if he started every race that season. So that's pretty cool. He was the only driver to do so this year, only driver to finish every race after starting every race. Hinch went to the back, so we can move on. For our predictions, you had Herta doing good. Did he do good? He did all right. All right. Uh, I had Rossi. I feel like that's more of a win than Herta because Rossi's results haven't exactly been a guarantee this year. All right, so we'll call ourselves even on that one. Bad. I had Hunter Ray, 23rd, hollow victory. wasn't his fault. Uh, you had Pato, 27th. Nailed it. Remember, my, my – hold on, timeout, timeout, timeout. My good and bad predictions were made by Shannon. Of course they were. I'm just yeah, not – we're just not going to do this next year predictions or we're just going to assume that shannon makes my predictions uh we're just not going to do predictions next year (laughs) yeah because you're just gonna take all the credit and then give all the blame to shannon no i couldn't do that that that's never that's not respectful never uh dark horse top 10 i had daily 21st and you had board day eighth well done and that was made by me so of course it was Way to cap off my prediction season with a with a good one. One good one. Call him bullshit. I now have yeah. trust issues with you, a la Polo. <laughs> uh, who was your driver of the day? Driver of the day. Let's go Colton Herta. Awesome weekend. He was flying all over the place, almost smacked the wall like 64 different times throughout the weekend. Smacked the wall in qualifying. Still had a good race and really just didn't put a wheel wrong once it once it was uh, time for the actual race. I'm going with Joseph Newgarden. It was uh, it's kind of weird. Okay. I don't know what his thing with finales is, but you know, last week or last year we showed up to St. Pete. He needed to win. He needed to do this in order to have a chance. Guy goes out there and charges to the front and then wins. Ultimately, coming short of Dixon, but still an amazing effort. Now this year it's like, well, you need to get pole and then you need to lead every lap and win and you need something to go wrong to polo. And he shows up Saturday and gets pole. It's like, uh-oh, like is he going to pull off the impossible? And then, you know, had a good effort. You know, obviously didn't come up with a win, but P2 is nothing to turn your nose up at. There are several people who are saying, you know, had he done well at Indy, and had he not crashed at Barber, and had he not had his engine failure at Road America, and had he got the tire strategy right at Detroit too, without the yellow as well, that he would have been champion. And I don't know how you feel about it, but we could do kind of the what if game for Polo, Powers, Dixon, Herta, Power you, Award. You could you could do the what if game every year. You could find one guy. You know, maybe a couple of years ago it was rossi or willpower or whatever you could play that game all day it doesn't it does no good that's that's you know part of being a a champion of the season is minimizing things that 
go wrong to the best of your ability or making the best out of a bad situation. So, and not to say most of Newgarden's issues this year weren't really his fault, maybe save the barber crash, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a silly discussion. You could, you could play that all day. Hey, why did James Hinchcliffe had a bad year? Well, if he didn't get wrecked at Portland and didn't get wrecked here and didn't spin here, well, maybe he would have finished in the top 10 in the standings. Sure. If Dalton Kellett finished in top five every race, he wouldn't be in 29th in the standings. That's what I was about to say. If you boil it down to its essentials, Dalton Kellett basically had the same season as Takuma Sato. Pretty much. Unremarkable. Mm, really. But if you add, if you try hard enough, you can come to that conclusion. If you try hard enough, you can come to any conclusion. You, you can make the data say whatever you want it to. In a way, yeah. Data, maybe not so much, but inferences, yes. Yes, yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. You can infer anything you want. Yunkos is as strong as Ray Hall. I'm sure Lighting's had that argument with somebody. Yeah, probably while he's wearing that Packers helmet that squeezes his brain too tight. <laughs> that makes sense now. <laughs> Who was your disappointment of the day? Ed Jones. All right, Ed Jones. Cool. What a way to round out the season with that. Is that yours as well? Or are we just going to agree on that one? Yep. Uh, yep. Okay. No need to no. discuss that. The uh, Twitter world revolted against Peacock this week. That was kind of funny. Yeah, it, it it went from, oh my God, where are the IndyCar races to, okay, guys, here they are rather quick. So props to Peacock or whoever in, at IndyCar had to deal with that really annoying social media rant for 48 hours. But all of your races are now available to rewatch everybody. Everybody can breathe a deep sigh of relief. It was a little entertaining, though. Yes. That, cool. If, deep breath. Cool. We made it real quick. What did you? There's a couple like quick hits I want to get to here. What did you make yeah. of the uh, the chicken limo? It was funny. I, I listen. He's the champion. Alex is the champion. He can if he wants to drive a chicken limo on IMS. As ridiculous as it sounds to say that, let him have some fun. I don't know if anybody didn't like it, but I thought it was funny. I'm sure the olds were frustrated oh, yeah. that it was. Yeah, I'm sure desecrating the Indianapolis yeah. Motor Speedway. Yeah. So we'll say middle half for last. So this whole Toyota to IndyCar thing, are you calling bacon on that or are you calling hogwash? 100% hogwash. Well, okay, 99% hogwash. No, no, no. Would it help you to know that the person claiming that it is happening is a French IndyCar broadcaster who overheard it at Laguna Seca? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. No. Okay. I didn't know if that would magically change your mind. Fair. That's a fair question, but no. I think out of all of the names being floated out there, Toyota would be one of the coolest and most powerful, but yes. no, I don't see that. Is that enough time we devote to that? Yep. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. 
Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. No, nothing else to say. Now, there may or may not have been a funny, jokey, only, or no, I was about to say only fans. Good God. <laughs> nope. I, nope. It's, it's, uh, it's, we have a guy in our racing league who we call OnlyFans Matt for no reason whatsoever. He does not have an OnlyFans account, but I, I literally call him that because I'm also Matt. So now we have to differ, differentiate ourselves between Matt and OnlyFans Matt. We had a members podcast <laughs> come out. You and Shannon working on Shannon's mic, which is funny because for the first eight minutes, you didn't realize it wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> Great My bad. Time. Great times. You guys got talking about Taylor Kyle, though. I want to get some stuff on the record here uh, yes. to, to the masses. If we could recap for the people at home, do you think Taylor Kyle helps or hinders Pato Award in the strategy department for IndyCar? Hinders. And do you have a explanation or is that just like a gut yeah. feeling or based on just some of the calls in the past? Uh, I... I... A little bit of both. I mean, I, I I think at some point this offseason I need to go back and find somewhere to rewatch the 2020 races. But I think if you look at Laguna, for example, everybody was saying let's – and I'm a, my memory is a little fuzzy because Laguna was like three weeks ago. But I don't think they – I think a lot of times they have not gotten the tire strategy correct or – you know, they pit just a couple laps off sequence to try to gain advantage, and it never works. And I just don't think he has always set Pato up to be 100% successful. Do I think he's terrible at his job? No. Do I Do I think, do I not quite understand why he's the one calling the strategy for Pato? Yes. I think there were too many times this year Pato lost ground like Laguna or was it yeah was it Laguna where he just looked helpless out there it was either Laguna or Portland I don't remember which one but that's and that's my basis and I don't remember exactly what I said and I don't have Shannon here but Shannon does agree with me so I I, makes me feel better we should just stop the debate then yeah we I mean I would like to get her opinion but or like to get her thoughts on this, but I think he's a good dude, and, and I I have hope that he will grow into the role because he's you know he's a, he's a young guy still he's not he's not an old, so there <laughs> there is hope. I love that. That's one of the criteria. He's not an old. <laughs> yeah. I just I just think he let I I think he left some points on the table for Pato. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I. Mike Hall is, would we maybe say, the best strategist ever in IndyCar? Oh, without a doubt. Because the big, in my opinion, the big three would be 
Mike Hall, Tim Sendrick, and Brian Herta would be my yeah. top three strategists. I might put Herta over Sendrick just based on his Indy 500 results, but I don't think, I mean, that's just, you know, at that point, we're, we're getting into fine details that are meaningless. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Hall and then others below him. And even, you know, I'm not going to seriously say Taylor, Taylor Kyle would be one of those I would mention in the three I just mentioned by any stretch to imagine. He's got a long ways to go to get there. Um, but, you you know, any strategist is going to make a call here and there that's going to cost his driver some points, and that's just going to happen. Uh, the one that was glaring to me, obviously, was Road America last year. Last year, I really think he cost Pato the win against Rosenquist with the bad tire call. And, yeah, I think Laguna Seca, there was a moment where Pato came on the radio and was like, why are we on these tires right now? And, you know, sometimes maybe driver and strategist aren't on the same page, and that's definitely something they can work on. I would contend just to play a little defense for Kyle that given Pato's nature, sometimes Pato's not the best at saving tires. And so maybe they have to go a little more on the conservative side just to accommodate for that because they know Pato's not one to not be full send 100% of the time because that's just his nature. So if your driver's doing that, I don't know how trustworthy trustworthy they are of him going on like let's say red to red if they need him to save those tires they might be more inclined to go blacks so I think he's not the best strategist out there I just don't know if he is as detrimental to Pato as let's say like a shank strategist is to Harvey fair okay that's all I had to say I respect it. Why? Only thing I got left is Mid Ohio, unless you had anything. No, man, I got I got nothing this week. But actually, let's let's before we get to Mid Ohio, shout out to we're gonna talk about NASCAR for like thirty seconds here. Bubba Wallace won this week, his first career win. Awesome to see on the day where Facebook wasn't working, so it was pretty. <laughs> it was a pretty epic Monday. So yeah, hats off to Bubba Wallace. His post race interview was a you know definitely one that brought out the allergies all of a sudden and then him bringing his dog into the media center speech afterwards was pretty cool so yeah that's all i got for that go ahead what a bummer that facebook was down yeah tragic perfect timing yeah so first of all have you dried off from mid-ohio yes the the rain on sunday actually wasn't that bad it was more of just the only time it actually rained like kind of hard is when we uh, as soon as we left the media center to go interview Kyle Kirkwood which if you're listening to this today Thursday came out Tuesday morning so go check that out I had Kyle Kirkwood and Stingray Rob in that episode but other than that it just kind of like misted off and on pretty much all day until maybe two-thirds of the way through the Indy Lights race or right before the Indy Lights, after the Indy Lights race, before the Indy Pro 2000 race, whatever the last race of the, of the weekend was. But it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I got to listen to those interviews this morning. They both sound pretty awesome. Well, Stingray was trying really hard not to say F- Yunkos that entire interview. Uh, he, was so, he was so nice about it, though. Uh, just kind of like, yeah, it's just a learning experience. I would change a lot of things about the steer, but... You know, it is what it is, and I'm like, I can respect that. That's pretty nice of him. Yes, uh, you know, that's I've I've known Stingray for a couple of years now, and and he's he's really a nice kid, and his actually his whole family is super nice, and 
Junkos has made some very questionable decisions on the road to indie level this year in terms of engineer turnover, who all of their engineers actually got hired up by HMD slash Global Racing Group. No wonder they were you know, probably the best overall team in Indy Lights this year. So good to see that they kind of figured it out in the last two weekends. Stingray had a much better overall weekend this weekend or last weekend in mid Ohio and the weekend before or a couple weekends ago in Laguna. Cool. All right. So what was your overall, I mean, so obviously Kirkwood won the championship for Indy lights, yeah. uh, Rasmussen, the Indy pro 2000 and Porto, the USF 2000. So congrats to all three of them. Hopefully they all get to move up the next rung before we get, I guess we get to mid Ohio. Let's talk about Kirkwood real quick. Are, are you at all infuriated like me that it doesn't seem like Andretti is going to promote him to their IndyCar program and then on top of that prevent any other IndyCar teams from signing him? I, yes, but it's also that as we record this Tuesday, October 5th, and there's plenty of time for things to happen before we get to preseason stuff, so... I'm not going to overreact just yet. Is it is it an injustice? Yes, Kyle Kirkwood is, I think Steve Wittick said, the most complete Indy Lights driver heading to IndyCar that he's ever seen. And I trust his opinion more than I trust my own. So, you know, that's, you know, Wittick, is, Wittick knows the road to Indy really, really well. So, man, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very concerning, I'll say that. I'm not going to flip out just yet, but it's confusing and concerning. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how good he can be if he finally lost a race in mid-Ohio after 12 attempts. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just embarrassing. He's only 11 <laughs> out of 12 in mid-Ohio now or whatever. Yeah, now we have to just screw up his name from the record books. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think my frustration stems from like maybe a soccer point of view where it's like if you're a big club, you just loan your player to a smaller club so they can play and grow and whatnot. And... You know, there's logistical pitfalls to just loaning him out, but I don't see why he, you know, Mike Landretti just can't get together with Jimmy Vassar, James Sullivan, and just figure out something to put him in the coin Vassar Sullivan car next year with like a caveat that, you know, like it's a one year deal and then we get him back after that or something along those lines. Or the impending Devlin DeFrancesco moving up ahead of Kirkwood obviously for financial reasons I mean Devlin's a talented driver but he's not Kyle Kirkwood by any stretch of the imagination so that's where it loses me too and that's gonna probably draw the ire of a lot of fans once that's announced yeah I it, I think it would be detrimental for Kirkwood's career to have to go overseas and do Formula E or something like that. I just think it's such a different type of car. I don't think it would be good for his development. Formula E would probably be the only one I'd be like, mm, okay, because you know there you got some info this week about a potential driver coming back to Indy Lights next year that should excite a lot of people, and I'd rather you know him not be rushed into just doing three races this year without a budget i'd rather him like go to a secure ride like formula e or in, instead of doing like extreme e or sit around and wait or anything like that so but you know indie lights news coming soon ish should be a lot of fun for people 
So nice job on that. What else did you notice this weekend? Had a lot of fun with McBridge. Yeah, it was a it was a good weekend at the track. It's probably a lot calmer than normal, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was very quiet. It was almost like kind of weird how quiet it was there, but there was there was like no you know none of the vendors come in. There was one snack stand open and or one food stand open, but. I mean, it's, and, you know, mid-Ohio isn't exactly the most picturesque place outside of the racetrack ever, so there's, like, three places to eat in the whole city, and, but, I mean, it was, it was fun. I think Christian Rasmussen, like I was about to say, who will be jumping up into Indy Lights, I don't know if Jay Howard will also be jumping up in Indy Lights, but I think he is a damn good driver, and hearing Jay talk about him i i met jay and, and talked with him for a handful of minutes i think both days this weekend or last weekend and i i think he's a very complete driver really excited to see him develop i don't know much about kiko porto and usf 2000 so i'm, I'm not even going to pretend to talk about that but yeah i mean hell of a, a drive for kirkwood i think malukas could be indycar bound and I think he will be very successful at it. I think Linus Lundquist and Ben Peterson probably should do another year of Indy Lights, but I think both have good IndyCar potential. They both really came on strong the second half of the year there. And I think if we're going to talk team, HMD Motorsports was the team of the road to Indy this year. They had three cars in the top four in the Indy Lights standings and were consistent they had at least one car on the podium probably every race this year so definitely excited to see that maybe we'll have some fun next week and do a little road to indie awards show i'll get shannon to join because matt wasn't at most of the races this year and uh maybe we'll do an, an, an extra in uh, indie car based episode next week because i have a lot of time on my hands now so <laughs> We'll, we'll do that and yeah that was actually suggested to me the other day by toby sowery so who's that who by the yeah he's he's some bum who's trying to get an indycar ride next year um all kidding aside he did tell me he's had some some progress in in his 2022 plans hasn't told me what but hopefully we're able to see him out there i i think he is a very good driver he's just was stuck in a unfortunate situation with said Yunko's team this year. Any uh, funny or embarrassing stories from the last weekend? Did you do anything to clown yourself or did Shannon rip you on anything? I'm I'm sure, yeah. Not that I particularly remember, to be totally honest with you. Sweet. Yeah. I don't know if I got I, any other questions for you. Yeah, but no, thanks for Shannon for, for helping out of the track. It really is super helpful to have her around there she knows plenty of people in the paddock which helps and she's pretty fun to hang out with because she's smart and good at, at what she does so yeah and thank you to hmd motorsports for partnering with us again this year we'll can be continuing that in 2022 maybe expanding into other road to indie teams and other more road to indie coverage as i get back to normal on traveling next year and i think that's it man i think we can wrap it up ladies and gentlemen obviously there's no indie car race this week but check out other podcasts that are featured on evergreen on our network evergreen podcast network evergreenpodcast.com 
and watch the F1 race this weekend at Turkey. I think it's 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, and have a lovely weekend of racing. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.